success in all its different ways can be measured in terms of financial, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational. And what we find is that when people are focused on giving, what we say, giving value to others, they tend to be not only happier, but healthier and wealthier and successful in all those ways that success can be measured. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. And today's guest is exactly what I envisioned when I conceptualized this show. And he poses the following question. Can a subtle shift in focus really make that big of a difference in your business and in your income? Our guest says absolutely yes. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former United States president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, has sold over half a million copies and it has been translated into 21 languages. It has been released in a new expanded edition with a foreword by Huffington Post founder and publisher Ariana Huffington. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and serves on the board of trustees of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Dr. Richard. Great to be with you. I am thrilled to have you here. And your book, your mission, everything that you talk about in The Go-Giver really lines up ideologically with what The Daily Helping is all about. But a lot of people who maybe are hearing about you for the first time, might not know what that is. Could you talk about The Go-Giver Way? Yeah, The Go-Giver Way is based on a, a book, as you mentioned, that John David Mann and I co-authored. Uh, the, the basic premise is that shifting one's focus, as you alluded to, from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others, whether it's in the business sense or the personal sense or, or what have you. And that doing so is not only a, a nice or, or pleasant way to do business and live life, it's a very financially profitable way as well and profitable in uh, the other ways in which profit can be measured. Financial profit is just one form of profit, although a, a very important one. Success in all its different ways can be measured in terms of financial, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational. 
And what we find is that when people are focused on giving what we say, giving value to others, they tend to be not only happier, but healthier and wealthier and successful in all those ways that success can be measured. So you've just really succinctly described the premise of the go-giver way and the book, The Go-Giver. But what about for those that are listening and they're not entrepreneurs and not business owners? Does the message in The Go-Giver still apply to them? Yeah, the neat thing is that, as you know, universal laws and principles apply across the board. And that's why within the story, we actually had a, a, a subplot for Joe, the mentor in the story, uh, about Joe and his, his uh, wife, Susie. So we wanted to make the point that the go-giver way applies to all areas of life. It, this happened to be a business book with a business imprint and publisher, but it, it's really all aspects of life. And one need not be an entrepreneur to, uh, to benefit from it. For you personally, Bob, is this something that you just were born with? Like this is the way that you always felt or did mentors come along the way or things happen to you that really opened your eyes to this way of thinking? Well, both really. I was very, very fortunate to be born to parents and raised by parents who are just such fantastic, loving people. And so they, they would be the embodiment of what I would call go-givers, even though that wasn't a word that was that was necessarily used. But so I had a great example. I'd also say, though, that when I got into the business world, I kind of lost my way a little bit and started thinking that the, you know, the ways that I would see people act, which really weren't in accordance necessarily with the values I'd learned, it seemed a lot sexier and faster and what have you. And, and so I think I got off the path. But fortunately, I got back on and realized that the, the correct way of doing things also happens to be the most successful uh, way. I think what a lot of people do is they, they, they kind of think it's one or the other. You know, you're either someone who, who does things according to values and principles or you're successful in business. And 99% of the time, it's just not true. 99.9% .9 of the time, when you do things in the correct way, you're going to have success both faster and more sustainably. What happens is we, we tend to hear more about those people who do things in a way that is more inclined to be highlighted on television or the movies or the news, right? And we think, oh, that's what you got to do. You got to be ruthless and dog eat dog and this and that. And, and really, you know, what I found and the many people who I've studied, learned from and so forth have found that now when you, when you focus on bringing value to others, especially the more free market an economy is, because in a free market economy, no one's forced to do business with anyone else. So the only way someone is going to buy from you or do business with you or want to be in a relationship with you or want to be friends with you or what have you is when they believe you have their best interests at heart. You mentioned that this is kind of a this is a theme that you've seen in people that you've studied. Who are those people that you've studied? And if you could name a couple books in particular that were big influencers on you, that'd be great. Oh, my gosh. I mean, trying to even come up with that is, you know, uh, <laughs> there's so many. I, I'm, you know, an avid book reader. Uh, you know, you know, but let's look at someone just more recent. You look at someone like Bob Chapman, the CEO and the chair and CEO of Barry Waymiller, which is a humongous manufacturing company based out of St. Louis. And he wrote a book called Everybody Matters. And the way that he and, and he really had an epiphany and his his uh, leadership 
going from that more traditional bottom line source to putting his people first and understanding that when you take care of your people, the prophet is going to follow. And you don't take care of your people well because the prophet's going to follow. You take care of your people because it's the right way to be. The prophet following is simply a very natural result of such. And so he's a, an outstanding, outstanding leader. But, you know, I mean, it just it goes on and on. There's, there's just so many people, so many wonderful examples. In fact, I can say to somebody this, okay, when someone says, well, can you give examples of, you know, go-giver type businesses? And I would say this, take a look at any business that is sustainably profitable, sustainably profitable, and you, you'll find they have to be following the five laws. And again, John, it's not like John David Mann and I made up these principles. We may have put our own name to them in the form of a story, but no, these principles have been around you know, for as long as people have been doing business. So you mentioned, Bob, five laws. What are the five laws that are in your book that you follow? Uh, the laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. And they're utilized together in conjunction. It's not one, two, three, or even four of them, but all five of them uh, in order to be, be able to reach your, your success potential. Could you describe them each a little bit, very briefly, to the audience? Well, the law of value says that your true worth, and, and in this case, this is in the business sense, although, again, it applies to all areas, uh, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, this does not mean you don't make a profit. Go-givers tend to make a very large profit. Uh, but the reason is, is because they're not focused on price. They're focused on providing such an exceptional, wonderful, amazing buying experience, customer experience, that people will pay top dollar to do business with, with these people. And they'll feel great about it because they're getting so much more in value, okay, than what they're paying. Uh, it's understanding the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. Value is the relative worth or desirability of something to the end user or beholder. So it would be, uh, you know, an example would be the uh, accountant who charges you $1,000 to do your taxes but saves you $5,000 in taxes. Uh, they, they save you hours of time. And more importantly, they provide you with the peace of mind and security of knowing it was done correctly. And so what they've done is they've given you well over $5,000 in value or use value in exchange for a $1,000 price uh, or cash value. So you feel great about it, and they made a very healthy profit. Okay, so that's value. And then the next law? Is the law of compensation, which says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So what law number one says to get more in value than you take in payment. Law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. I see. And then what about the third law? Sure. This is the law of influence. And this says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first, which, again, sounds counterintuitive when you first hear it. But then you think about it and you realize that the greatest leaders, the top influencers, the most financially successful people, the ones that have the most friends and the ones that have the greatest personal relationships. This is simply how they run their lives, they connect their, their business and their lives. They, they're always looking for ways to bring value to others, to make other people's lives better. Now, 
Let me let me qualify that though, if I may, Doctor Richard, because this can be very very easily misinterpreted. When we say place the other person's interest first, we certainly don't mean you should be anyone's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply that as Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of, in this case, business says that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than by, again, genuinely and authentically moving from what we call an I-focus or me-focus to what Sam, one of the mentors in the story, advised Joe, an other-focus where you're simply making your win all about the other person's win. And again, you can see how this applies in personal relationships as well. Of course. No, I love that. That is so very true. So, so far, we've got value, compensation, influence. Bob, what's the fourth law? This one's the law of authenticity, which says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. In the story, one of the mentors, Deborah, shared a lesson she learned uh, in her career, which was that all the skills in the world, this, whether we're talking about sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are all very, very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. But when you do, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel comfortable with you. They begin to know you, like you, trust you. They feel safe with you. And they're much more likely to want to be in relationship with you, to want to do business with you and so forth. So living authentically, being authentic is not only good life, it's good business. It's good everything. And uh, which kind of, you know, brings up the the question, why then do people not always show up authentically? And we we might think, well, it's because they're dishonest people or they're trying to pull one over on us. And again, while it's a big world and, and there's all types of people out there, this isn't usually the case, not with 99% of the people out there. Typically, they don't show up authentically only because they don't have the self-confidence to do so. They don't recognize and embrace their true authentic value or what they bring to the table. So we, we need to understand that we all have something to offer and, and that's what we go with. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. It's so interesting that you speak about authenticity. I recently interviewed Lorray Kwai, a very well-known former FBI agent, and she was talking about, you know, Lorray? Oh, yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. She really is terrific. So she was telling a story 
on the show about how she was almost found out in an undercover stakeout and genuinely thought she was going to die. And the reason why she survived was not because she blew her cover and said, my name is Lorraine Kwai and I'm an agent of the FBI, but she was drawing back to her authentic self and talking about stories from her upbringing, which made her relatable to the people who she was in the presence of that otherwise probably would have killed her. So authenticity is so relevant, and I'm, and I'm so grateful that you speak about that to such a degree in your book. Outstanding. Thank you. So let's talk about the fifth law, the final law. You know, and can I just mention one other thing? Of course. You know, when it comes to authenticity, I think there's sometimes a, a, a misnomer about it, if you will, or a mistake people make, because they think that authenticity, they confuse authenticity with not continuing to grow and improve ourselves. It's sort of like the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell at people a lot. If I was to act any other way, that wouldn't be authentic. And of course, that's malarkey. That's hogwash. What it means is that this person has an authentic problem and they need to uh, work on themselves and become a, a better, higher, more effective, authentic version of themselves. So we, we never want to say, oh, well, this is just the way I am. That's it. That's my authentic self. That's, that's taking the easy way out, and that's using the term authenticity as a lazy way of not, not being the most you can be. What we want to do is step into our true authentic nature, which is probably much more than what we're doing right now. Right? So we want to utilize that as a reason to grow, not as a reason to stay where we are. What would you say to the listener, Bob, who says to you, I don't really know who I am? Because a lot of people find themselves at a crossroads or they never really find that true calling for them. So how do you answer that? Well, I think part of life is, is discovering who we really are and what we're here for. Um, you know, there's so many sayings about that. It's almost proverbial. So <laughs> I think if someone says, well, I don't really know who I am or what I'm here for, well, start looking. You know, start searching. There's nothing wrong with having a, a guide or a mentor or a coach to help you do that. But, but you know, uh, what I would say to somebody is, is don't, don't take that and just say, oh, well, then I'm not going to bother. I, again, if it's worth it to them. You know, if someone, if there's a payoff to someone for just, you know, being where they are and not improving, that's up to them too. That's, that's, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, you know, we all pursue happiness our own way. But I think most people in this world, I think the way we're built, we need to have a purpose for life and we need to feel good about ourselves, you know, through that. So I would say that if that's something that you you hold to be of value, just realize that just because you haven't found yourself, to use that phrase, or or what your purpose is now, that doesn't mean you you give up. It means you make it your, your purpose to find your purpose. Purpose to find your purpose. I really like that. Is that yours? <laughs> That's really, really good. I'm sure I've heard it somewhere before. <laughs> All right. And let's let's jump back to the to the laws here before we move on, because we've got to get that last one. So what is our fifth law? Well, this is the law of receptivity. And this says that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. What this really means is that we both breathe out and we breathe in. It's not one or the other. 
We breathe out, which is we breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving, despite the message that we get from the world around us, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. They're simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. So it's not a matter of are you a giver or a receiver. No, you're a giver and a receiver. But the key is to focus on the giving, the giving of value to everyone you meet and in every way you can. Focus on the giving, but then allow yourself to receive with gratitude. That's really terrific. And you mentioned value a couple of times, one as a law, but just in what you said. I want to go back to that. So obviously, this is a challenging time for many people economically. How does one add value to others without that becoming too big of a financial drain for them in this competitive economic environment? Well, there are probably hundreds of ways to to add value to others, but they, they tend to come down what we find to five what we call elements of value. And those elements are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. In terms of excellence, that that's kind of twofold. One part of it is simply doing your core competency extremely well, continuing to learn, continuing to grow, being very, very good at what you do. That right there is a separator from people. But you know what? Another part of excellence is simply how you make people feel every time you have a personal transaction with them. When I say transaction, I don't mean buy or sell. I mean, anytime that you talk to them on the phone or, or communicate on the computer or you see them in person or they step, step into your office or whatever it happens to be. How do you make people feel? Do you make people feel good about themselves just by virtue of being with you? Are you kind and are you tactful and do you take their ego in mind and do you communicate with them in a way that makes them feel genuinely important? I've always said that the single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. And when you do that, that's excellence. Consistency simply means that you are as you are day in and day out. You know, we, we meet so many people that are one way one day and totally different another day. Or we go into a restaurant where the food and service is really good, sometimes. Other times, not so much. And yet, as human beings, we crave consistency. This dates back to the cave person days when, when every day was literally a life and death struggle, right? And consistency was very key. You had to know who you could trust and who you couldn't. You had to know what the footprints meant and what they didn't. And it had to mean the same thing. Every single day. Well, we don't have that same issue now, but that's been hardwired into our DNA. And so we value consistency in others. Uh, Attention, attention to detail, attention to people as human beings. What are they saying? How are they feeling? And, And what are they not saying? So when we pay attention to others, that's a way in which we, again, create value. Then there's empathy. This takes it to a whole new level. I believe empathy is probably the most important skill, and I say skill because not everyone comes by it naturally, but it can be learned. The dictionary definition of empathy is simply the identification with or vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings. 
And that's fine. And to, to try to understand how someone feels is a wonderful thing. But the fact is we don't necessarily understand how others feel. In fact, we often have no idea how they feel because we're not them. And we don't come from the same belief systems and the same experiences. So I think communicating empathy doesn't necessarily mean you know how they feel. It means you communicate that you understand their feelings something and that this something is, is, is distressful to them, but you're there to help them through it. I think that is communicating empathy. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I've noticed a shift, and I've talked about this with a couple of guests, that there's a couple of things that I've noticed in the business world recently, one being a greater emphasis on emotional intelligence, of which empathy is certainly a core piece of that, but also a shift more towards serving our communities instead of just the bottom line. Is that something that you've seen as well? Well, I think people are discovering that it's not one or the other. And for a long time, I think, and again, this is because of the you know upbringing and environment and schooling and television shows and movies where so often, you know, people are portrayed as either good and poor or evil and wealthy, you know, and, and it's the treacherous dichotomy, as we call it, or the false dilemma, the unnecessary use of the word or, Right. How about and? How about you do good things, you, you look for ways to bring value to everyone, including the general community, and good things happen. Not, not for some esoteric reason either. It's for very logical reasons, because when you do good things, when you do right things, when you act honestly and with integrity and with high values, people trust you. They feel good about you. You know, Simon Sinek in his wonderful, wonderful book, Leaders Eat Last defined trust as a biological reaction to the belief that someone has our well-being at heart. And when we believe a company or a person has our well-being at heart, we're much more likely to want to do business with them, be in a relationship with them, and so forth. So again, there's nothing la-la about any of this. This is all very, very much based on uh, human nature. And I want to shift gears a little bit because you've talked about it a couple of times, mentorship. So mentorship obviously was important to you. You mentioned that it was. For somebody who's new and wants to start a business or even just grow, what's the best way to find a mentor? And perhaps most importantly, as a follow-up, what should one who's starting this journey not do when trying to find one? Well, yeah, those are great questions. I'll even go with the second one first, because I think it's important to, to know what not what not to do. And, and that is just, you know, my feeling is that if you don't know someone who you'd like to have mentor you, if you've never met them before and you're in the outreach phase, I would just not go right up to them or email them or call them or approach them or whatever and say, hey, will you be my mentor? Because a mentor-protege relationship is just that. It's a relationship. It takes time to, to build and, and cultivate and develop. So I think when we go up to someone and just say, hey, will you mentor me? It's sort of like saying to somebody, hey, will you share with me your 40 years of, of experience, even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall? And it, could it happen? Sure. But it's not likely to happen that way. So what I would do, though, is if you find someone, and this goes back to the first question, in finding someone, 
by all means, look for people who you admire. Look for people who, and they could be right in your community. They could be uh, someone at your company where you work. It could be a, a number of people. But approach them and just, you know, let them know that, you know, I'm beginning a business or I'm really trying to grow my reach or my, you know, what have you and so forth. I'm, and I just wonder, I know you're very, very busy. And if this is not appropriate, please know I'll totally understand. But may I perhaps ask you a couple of very specific questions. Boom. And that way, what you're doing is you're, you're letting them know that this is not something you feel you're entitled to. It's something where that you respect their time, you respect their wisdom and their consideration, and you're giving them an out, a back door. You're letting them know, you know, if you're simply too busy, if this is not something that is, you know, something you're looking to do, I'll totally understand. And then you're just making the ask, uh, may I ask you just a, a couple of very you know, specific questions? Boom. Now, when they, and they'll, uh, you know, I'll tell you 99.9% of the time, they'll say, sure, of course. And they'll, they'll give you more time than that because of the way you ask. But, uh, and if they don't, move on to someone else. That's okay. Some people, you never know why someone is, does what they do. They may really be busy. They may not be a sharing person. They may, who knows? But most of the time, that, that's going to work. And then, you know, I would make sure that when you ask and make sure you you really study them online, research them first so that you don't ask them questions that you could easily know the answer to just by doing some research. And then I would, uh, you know, once you once they've answered your questions, let them know how much you appreciate it and that you look forward to putting their information to work and you'll get back with them and keep them up to date. I would send them a handwritten thank you note that very day. I would even find out what their favorite charity is, which you can do online. You can find out in their profile somewhere and just write, make a small, it doesn't have to be big, make a small donation in their name. It'll get back to them that you did that. And it's not that you're doing it to kiss up or anything, but you're showing respect. You're saying, hey, you know, I know I can't give value to you like you tend to be right now, but I appreciate and honor what you're doing. And, you know, you're making it now a few weeks later, a month, maybe you, you, you email them back or, or call back or however it's been left. Let them know what's happening. Maybe ask another question. And again, a, a, a mentor protege relationship begins to take root and develop. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe they were supposed to be there for just one or two questions, or maybe it turns into a 20 year relationship. And you answered my follow-up question, which I was thinking about, was how does that protege provide value back to the mentor? But you answered it. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. And I wanted to just ask you a final question before we start wrapping, and this is about the law of influence. How does a go-giver create influence both personally and in business? And then as a follow-up, how does that directly relate to new businesses or even leadership? Well, you create influence by by looking for ways to help others and by communicating that that's what you're doing, not in what you say, but and as part, more importantly, what you do, but most importantly, who you are. OK, and you develop a reputation as that person who's always looking for ways to refer business to others, who's looking for ways to introduce people to others, who's looking for ways to bring value to others in a way that that other person finds to be of value because value is always on the eyes of the beholder. And so as we do that, that is how we influence by, you know, again, placing their interests first, making our win about theirs. 
And as we do this constantly and consistently, we build a network of people who know us, who like us, who love us, who trust us, and who want to be what we call our army of personal walking ambassadors. And while it grows organically, we also know that most people know about 250 people. And so the more people who become your personal walking ambassadors, the more your influence begins to spread. I love that. And I want to be respectful of your time because I know that that you have to go, but I feel like we've only barely scratched the surface here. So hopefully we can do this again in the future. I'd love to. I'd love to. But I, I would like to wrap up by asking you the question that I ask all of our guests, which is, what is the biggest helping that you want to leave people with, the, the single most important piece of information for somebody to walk away from after hearing you talk today? Well, I, it probably goes back almost 40 years when I'd been in sales for a couple of years, was doing pretty well, but not not nearly reaching my potential. And an older person at the company, I didn't even know him very well, but I think he saw me as someone like Joe in The Go-Giver, right? That up-and-coming guy who had great potential, but his focus was more on self than on, you know, my, my focus more on myself than where it should have been. And he said, Berg, you know, and this is in the business sense, he gave me this advice, but please know that this isn't any, any sense. But he said, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in, in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he continued, you'll get a reward, and that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you'd like, but never forget that the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. Your target is serving others. And once I understood that, my world just changed, and so did my results. Perfect. I love it. Bob, where can people find you? Best place is at thegogiver.com, where they can find information on my books. They can get uh, excerpts and chapters and... uh, they can connect with me on social media, join the Go-Giver movement, and uh, listen to my podcast, The Go-Giver Way, if they'd like. That's terrific. And we will link to all of that in the show notes on our website, as well as in the Daily Helping app. Well, Bob, thank you so much for being on today. It was a pleasure, absolutely. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. If you liked what you heard, go out and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. This helps others find the podcast. But most importantly, go out there and do something nice for somebody else today, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping, because the happiest people are those that help others. <laughs>